You may be seated. And uh, before I read the scripture this morning, just like to reference uh, the uh, pastoral response to COVID-19, the coronavirus and the disease that it causes that uh, is spreading, frankly, around the world in over 90 countries now and is now, I think, in over 30 states. We had our first confirmed case in Kentucky uh, just a couple of days ago. And I know anxiety levels are rising for people. And uh, if you would like to read that letter, if you didn't get it in your inbox through mail or see it uh, on Facebook, then we'll have copies of that in the office. But I'm just cautioning uh, folks to uh, not overreact, but on the other hand, to join us in trying to be a bit more sensitive to issues of uh, social interaction on Sunday mornings and at other times uh, to avoid shaking hands and touching one another since those are principal ways that we spread disease in a time like this. Uh, we are installing this week hopefully uh, 12 of uh, the uh, alcohol gel sanitizers that kill the virus throughout the facility. We encourage you to use those on a regular basis. Wash your hands um, frequently both here and when you're out and about. Um, there are some other things that may be required um, as this situation changes. Uh, only God knows what the outcome will be, but uh, do not surrender to fear and anxiety. Keep your faith on the Lord through this, uh, and above all, pray. Pray for those that are suffering around our world. Uh, in some parts of the world, it's been devastating for sure. And also... Uh, Pray for, fee for, for folks that are grieving, that have had losses in this, uh, loss of income, loss of life, um, loss of mobility. There's so many different ways that this is impacting our world and is, is beginning to impact uh, this country. I am um, not anxious. My hope is in the Lord. And I am ready when my time comes. Uh, but I also want to be cautious and careful, and I hope that you will be too. So... Um, the scripture today is from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. This is the lectionary reading for the second Sunday of Advent from the Old Testament. And it's a familiar passage. It's one of my favorite passages out of the Old Testament in which the Lord comes to Abram. We know him as Abraham, but God hadn't given him his new name yet. The Lord comes to Abram and he promises some big things for him. He blesses him. And we want to read uh, now from God's Word as we consider that we have all been blessed to be a blessing. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to, to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's pray together. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come and bless us today, we pray, with your presence, uh, with understanding and insight and revelation. 
and with power from on high. Come and, and strengthen us and uh, convict us and, and give us what we need to respond faithfully to this message. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us and you are for us. We will not be afraid. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, who here would like to be blessed by God? If so, I want you to stand up, okay? If you want to be blessed by God. See, I didn't have you stand during the reading this morning. It's kind of tricky, wasn't it? Um, wanted you to stand. If you want to be blessed by God, you can sit down now. I didn't take names of those that remain seated. Uh, but, but why do you want to be blessed by God? For what purpose? Is it for yourself or is it for someone else? Today we are examining uh, perhaps the most pivotal figure in the Bible. 162 times in the Old Testament and 72 times in the New Testament, Abram or Abraham, as God called him later on, is mentioned by name in the Bible. No one exemplifies faithfulness and obedience more than Abraham. For Muslims, Abraham is regarded as a prophet of God. He has mentioned 188 verses in the Quran. For Jews, he is their ancestral father and spiritual patriarch. It was Father Abraham who gave birth to a people who would later become a great nation. For Christians... Uh, Abraham is the epitome of faithfulness. Paul writes in Galatians 3.29, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And Peter preaching in the temple in, in Solomon's portico in Acts chapter 3 says this, You are the descendants of the prophet. He's preaching to Jews. He said, you are descendants of the prophets and of the covenant that God gave to your ancestors, saying to Abraham, and in your descendants all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Shall be blessed. God promised a blessing to Abram, but for what purpose? Why did God bless this man? Why has God blessed you? Now, the key word in this passage this morning is bless or blessing. In these four verses, five times this word uh, occurs. And in the Hebrew language, blessing signifies flourishing. It has connotations of physical vigor and fertility, safety and success. The word for bless or blessing is so important to our understanding of who God is. Understanding his nature and his ways. It is used nearly 600 times in the Bible. That's pretty amazing. The word bless or blessing. It is God's nature. It is his manner, his way to bless. And in every situation that God blesses, it is always an expression of his grace. Blessing is different, very different from worldly achievement or success. A blessing never starts with me. It's not about me. It starts with God. That's the meaning of grace, the meaning of blessing. Genesis chapter 1 contains the word blessing in it. 
Uh, as soon as God had created every creature in the sea and on the land and then created the first man and the first woman, he said, this is good. In fact, he said, this is very good. And then the scripture says, he blessed them. He blessed them. And even though Adam and Eve took God's blessing for granted and rebelled against God, disobeyed God, falling into sin, God continued to bless them and those that came after them. In fact, human beings, I believe, crave blessing. Do you believe that? I think we long for that. We want that. We, we are desperate to be loved. We want a place to belong, a family where we are accepted, where worth is conveyed to us by our parents and siblings and grandparents and aunts and uncles, as Charlie was describing for the kids this morning. It's part of our spiritual DNA. It's, it's what it means to be made in the image of God. Children, for example, hunger for their parents' approval. I've watched Lincoln, who is now uh, my grandson, who is now seven, almost eight years of age, and how as he's gotten older, he is less mama's boy and now is daddy's son. And there is a really tight connection between the two of them. He, he idolizes my son, Jared, really loves his father, and, and it touches me that Jared is, is doing a good job as a dad. Even though he's got a very demanding career and life, he seems to really focus on his boys, but especially on Lincoln right now. And Lincoln wants his daddy's approval. You can see it in the way that they interact with each other. I mean, as long as I can remember, I knew my mother loved me. She loved me until the day she died. And that never wavered. Not any, not at all. But I also desperately have wanted my dad's love and approval my whole life. And I still do. Dad's 82 and I'll soon be 64 years of age. God's desire for us, the only creatures in all of creation that were made in the image of God is to love us and to save us and to impart His worth and His righteousness to us. Yet the emphasis is not on Abraham as an individual, on the blessing that he receives. And that's often how we think of blessing. We think of what's in it for me, right? What, what I'm getting out of this. Uh, what good thing can come to me in my life and those that I love. The emphasis is not on the individual as much as it is on the nation that will come forth from Abraham's offspring. God's redemptive plan for the world began with the choice of an old man and a barren woman. It seems ridiculous to think about a 75-year-old man and a woman who's just a few years younger that has been unable to have children to be God's chosen servants, to be the vessels, the conduits through which God is going to create a great nation and bless the entire world. God made an unconditional agreement or covenant with Abraham here in, in Genesis chapter 12. Now, some believe that the marriage covenant is also unconditional and lifelong. It's just been a little over a week ago that I stood up here with Troy and Maria 
and officiated at their wedding and they exchanged traditional vows and, and they pledged, uh, you know, to, to be there for each other, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, um, to love and to cherish until they were parted by death. Others say that the marriage vows are conditioned by faithfulness and by the continuation of love in a relationship, which faithfulness is, is an expression of most of the time. There are covenants in the scripture that are conditional, that God makes with his people. He says, I will do this, I'll do my part if you do your part. However, unconditional covenants contain no stipulations. They, they are really one of the fullest and best manifestations of God's grace that we find in the Bible. And that is what this condition, unconditional covenant with Abraham, uh, or Abram as he's called at this point, what that's all about. Now certainly Abram needed to receive that blessing by, by believing, by uh, receiving through his faith. But these promises were not earned by Abram. It was not because he was a good guy that God chose him. Uh, the God of blessing chose Abram uh, out of God's goodness and God's grace. And there are three things that are promised here. First is the land or nation. The second is a great name. And the third is blessing. The first one was the promise of land and a nation. The Lord says, I will give you a home. Um, if I were to ask you what your home is, you might tell me the street you live on or the road or some part of the county or even the town uh, that, that you, you live in. But uh, when we sing the national anthem, um, the Star Spangled Banner, we think about our home being the United States of America. There is national pride and gratitude for being Americans in the world today. And, and Jews often referred to Israel as the land. Even today, if you make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, it's not uncommon for the Jewish guides to refer to uh, that area of the world as the land that God promised to Father Abraham. Abram's whole life is wrapped up in trusting God for this promise. He and Sarai will eventually have a son from whom another son will be born who will have 12 sons that will be the 12 tribes, the beginning of the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. They will be the basis for this prophecy that that was spoken of time and time again in the Old Testament, that Israel would be a light to the Gentiles, to the whole world, and that from them would come a Messiah, a Savior. Now, the second promise was a name that would be great. And I think every one of us wants to be remembered in a positive way. Um, you know, we used to carve our names into trees, <laughs> Now people just spray it on the side of a building with graffiti, right? Uh, we name our children after us because we want lives, our lives to make a difference and we want our life's legacy uh, to outlive us. I mean, we want there to be a good crowd at our funeral, don't we? Yeah. 
Uh, I've had people who've elected not to have funerals. And I've got a suspicion that in some cases it's because they're too grumpy and too mean and they know that no one's going to show up. So they said, we'll just go straight to the cemetery. Just put me in the ground and be done with me. Uh, I've always found it interesting that uh, boxing great George Foreman named all five of his sons George. And one of his daughters, Georgetta. I mean, that's probably because he wanted the greatness of his name to live on after his life was over. And this greatness that would come to Abram, who would be known as Abraham, is known all over the world among Muslims, Jews, and Christians. No one uh, in those three great religions has, has not heard the name Abraham. The third promise is blessing. And the word blessing here is used in two ways. The Lord was blessing Abram, but also Abram would be a blessing to others. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writes about us being blessed and showered with His kindness, with, with His blessing through Christ. He says, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly, heavenly realms, we have been blessed because we belong to Christ. One of my personal mottos for the last 25 years in life and ministry has been strayed out of Genesis chapter 12. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. What God gives us, we give away. What God pours into us, we pour out into others. And then we receive more. In the Sermon on the Plain of Luke chapter 6, which parallels the Sermon on the Mount out of Matthew's Gospel uh, in so many places, there Jesus says, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. You get the picture there. A blessing is given to us. And we give that away and even more blessing comes. Blessings, however, come in unexpected ways. And sometimes their goodness is not always apparent. Um, you know, in our culture in America, there has been an emphasis on something called the health and wealth gospel. In some denominations, some independent churches, it's a very strong kind of core teaching uh, of their pastors and, and of their fellowship. And it's all about believing in order uh, to be receiving God's blessings. Uh, physically well, being physically well and materially wealthy are kind of core promises of God for every believer, or so they teach. Uh, there are seasons... When we are well, God blesses us with health. There are seasons when we prosper in our jobs, our careers, in our businesses. And we have more than we need. But the blessings that God gives us often come through sacrifice and loss. Sometimes God blesses us in trouble, in trial. Laura Story wrote a beautiful song several years ago about this this. Uh, reality, uh, a song called Blessings. And here's what the first stanza says. We pray for blessings. We pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep. 
We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. All the while, God, you hear each spoken need. Yet love is way too much to give us lesser things. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? We are blessed sometimes in our pain and our trouble, our difficulties, uh, so that we can be a blessing. I know several persons in this church and community who work as counselors and, and sponsors with alcoholics and addicts because they themselves were, worse, were one day captives to drinking and drugging themselves. Uh, I know breast cancer cancer survivors in this church who have blessed other women walking that same difficult path by offering their own personal stories and support and care and love to those women as they go through the same ordeal. I know persons who have been wounded by the pain of infidelity and divorce who have given themselves to helping others experience reconciliation in their marriage or at the very least to cope with the loss. When my mother died 18 months ago, my dad was devastated. And honestly, after several months of just deep, heart-rending grief, I was so concerned that he wasn't going to make it. I mean, he told me more than once. He, he just had lost his will to live. He had no purpose left in life. And then the wife of a friend for over 40 years, suddenly lost her husband to a sudden heart attack. And my dad reached out to her and gave her comfort and strength. They shared in each other's grief. Uh, they became better friends than they had ever been before. And this past Tuesday, they were married. The blessings that followed my mother's death could not have been imagined by me or my family. But even in sorrow, in loss, in grief, uh, my dad and all of us have been blessed to be a blessing. In his book, The Wounded Healer, Henry Nouwen writes this. Listen to these powerful words. He says, nobody escapes being wounded. We are all wounded people, neither, whether physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. The main question is not how can we hide our wounds so we don't have to be embarrassed, but how can we put our woundedness in service to others? How can we bless others through our woundedness? When our wounds cease to be a source of shame and become a source of healing and blessing, we have become wounded healers. Jesus is God's wounded healer. Through his wounds we are healed. Jesus' suffering and death brought joy and life and blessing. His humiliation brought glory. His rejection brought a community of love. As followers of Jesus, we can also allow our wounds to bring healing to others. God tells Abram, he tells you, he tells me, I will bless you 
so that you will be a blessing. One of the most amazing verses, I think, in this passage is verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord told him. There is no indication that at this moment that Abram argued with this like impossible set of promises. Uh, he didn't hesitate in his obedience. Yes, Abraham was blessed by God, but it came in part because of his radical obedience. He believed God, as Genesis 15 says, and it was credited, it was imputed, it was given to him this gift of righteousness that God saw him in a different way, in a different light because he had the faith to trust God in what must have been a very challenging moment in his life. Look at all that he left behind to follow God's leading. The Lord simply said, you must go to the land I show you. What, no AAA, triptych? <laughs> I mean, no uh, Apple Maps, uh, no directions, no destination. Lord, what's going on here? This is not a question of Abram comparing one place to another, comparing... Georgetown to Lexington, or Lexington to Chapel Hill, where I'm moving. I understand that didn't set well with Jeremy in the first service. Yeah, uh, A lot of people are asking if I'm going to become a Tar Heel. My, my blue will not fade when I move to North Carolina. I promise you that. Uh, all right? But it's not a question of comparing one place to another, uh, deciding which one is better than the other. Abram follows God into an unknown future. Hebrews 11.8 commends his faith in the New Testament. He is lifted up as, as an example of someone who is willing to follow God into a future that is unknown. To not be afraid. To not hesitate. It was by faith, Hebrews says, that Abram Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. He went without knowing where he was going. And sometimes I think God calls us to similar circumstances. You know, we, we hate uncertainty. We, we like to plan. We like to know what's coming next in life. And that's one of the reasons why this uh, coronavirus outbreak is so disturbing. Uh, why, why it's so frightening to us is that no one knows where this might lead. No one knows if it will come here to Georgetown. Through the loss of a loved one or a job, through divorce or some family crisis or a diagnosis that may threaten our health, health or our very life, we are forced to journey to places that, that are frightening and are unfamiliar to us, just like Abram. We can give in to fear and even resentment because something bad is happening to us. Why is this happening to me? Why is God punishing me? Why is God hurting me? Or we can have the faith to trust that God wants to bless his children. That God is with us. That God is for us. And that he is eager to bless us in ways that we may not yet understand. But will be good 
in the journey with Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you this week to look for people who need to be blessed. There, there, there is a lot of anxiety rising in the world right now. And, and for legitimate reasons. And there are people that are going to withdraw. I, I got a couple of notices yesterday. I will not be in church for a while. I'll send my tithe in the mail. <laughs> but I don't want to be exposed to this virus. I mean, I'm not aware of it being in our church. Are you? Um, but but there, there is this rising fear uh, about the future and its uncertainty. Don't withdraw. Be careful, be cautious in appropriate ways. But people are going to need uh, the church, the Christian community, the family of God to love them through this, to be there for them, to reach out to them. Don't touch them, but to be there for them, okay? And, and to bless their lives because you have been blessed yourself by God the Father, by Jesus the Son, and by God the Holy Spirit. Yes, you are blessed like Abram. Be a blessing. God, we pray that in these coming days, that as your children, we will make ourselves available to you. That we will not be afraid of an uncertain future. That we will be willing to step out in faith and follow you wherever you lead. Lord, make my life. Make the lives of your people at Georgetown First United Methodist Church, make them a blessing to Georgetown and Scott County and beyond. Uh, give us the, the faith. Uh, first, just help us to repent of, of, of our selfishness and, and, and our tendency to cling to, to our blessings. Help us to share them. Give us the faith to believe that, yes, every single one of us has been blessed to be a blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.